All right, welcome back to Sports Talk. Adrian brought us here along with Steve Kaplowitz. Time to jump back out to our Village Inn hotline and uh, go back to our weekly chat talking UTEP football. The Miners get ready to head out to Louisiana Monroe this Saturday to take on the Warhawks and try to start off 3-1 and one for the first time since 2014. And joining me on the Village Inn hotline is defensive end praise Amele, who I'm so excited to talk to today because of so many different different reasons but first off praise really appreciate you joining me on the program and uh wow what a season it's been for you guys so far starting two and one for the first time in oh gosh six years what appreciate it adrian my pleasure to be on there thanks for having me man two and one for the first time in six years what's the locker room like praise uh man it's vibrant you true as you can expect man it's a lot of guys happy and we're definitely working hard day in and day out trying to keep everyone rolling trying to keep everyone going to the win to Louisiana this weekend, so everyone's kind of feeling good about the whole season so far. Because you know, for the past few years, we haven't really had what we wanted to do, you no, know, you no know, record-wise and winning-wise. So right now, everything's starting to unfold in a good, positive manner. So that's pretty good. Welcome. That's great. That's great to hear. Hey, praise. Yeah. I want to jump into it right away because. Uh, this past weekend, you didn't just make the claim to have maybe uh, be the player of the game against Abilene Christian in that victory, but maybe you also registered the play of the game when you had that sack late in the game, but you also chipped in with two pass breakups and also had some nice tackles in this one. What was it about Abilene Christian for you personally? Because it just felt like you had some kind of new energy that you uh, didn't have maybe in the first two games. You felt a, It looked like you felt a lot more comfortable on the field and you were just wrecking havoc oh yeah like you said i was definitely a lot more comfortable man you know every time you play games i was a pre-game jitters you know every time you step on the field but this game we had a great preparation and practice the whole entire week we had great coaching like you know coaching details we had guys flying around you know we had guys lifting each other up in the locker room and on the field during practice so we just came out there with a brand new energy that we didn't have before starting the two first games we had of the season so we're looking to keep that going into next week, man, and the week before that, you know, just trying to keep the ball rolling. But it was definitely a good feeling having the sack and the, the, the PBUs and the tackles, man. Shout out to my teammates as well, too. Hey, let's uh, let before we uh, talk a little bit more about your UTEP career. Let's go uh, into your background. Your dad is Vincent. Your mom is Joy. You have a brother and a sister, and you were born in Nigeria. Talk to me about your upbringing and and uh, how you got here to the United States. Uh, Adrian, my upbringing was amazing, man. It was always that good experience I was as a child, you know, having that great childhood experience with your friends. You know, right now technology is kind of eight, like you know, eating everybody up in the generation. Everybody was on their phones and their tablets, playing Minecraft, like you know, subway surfers. But I grew up, you know, you had to walk to your neighbor's house, you had to go outside, play some games outside, you know, y'all ride the bikes around, play soccer. So I grew up, you know, in that era. When technology, we, were, like, we, didn't, we didn't have phones growing up, so it was it was exciting, you know, because every day after school, we knew after we were done with our homework, so we just go outside and have fun until, like, you know, the, the sun went out. So it was it was a great feeling, man, growing up in Nigeria. It was definitely even better coming to America. With the time I did, everything just kind of worked out for me perfectly, but I definitely enjoyed it. My dad and my mom were Christians, raised me up in the church. So it came, everything, everything I was taught as a kid, kind of rose into my into like who I am today as a man, and I really appreciate my parents for doing that. How did you get into the sport? Uh, football. I grew, I grew up playing. I went to a boarding school in Nigeria. So at a young age, I, I already my parents shipped me off to a boarding school to go to go learn and better my education because we're really big on education in my family. So I grew up playing football, but back in Nigeria, it's called football, you understand? So all I knew was football, and I, grew up, I played a little bit of ping pong, but we called it table tennis. So that was those were the two two only sports I was really cold at, and I'm still cold at both of them to today. So when I came to America, I was trying to sign up to play American, like you know, I was trying to sign up to play football that I grew up that I to get my love and grew up playing, you know, with my friends. So whenever I signed up for football, like I went out there for tryouts, and it was definitely not the football I had in mind, man. Because I went out there and you had guys in helmets, shoulder pads. You had a, you had a weird ball because like the soccer ball I knew was like a, like a round soccer ball. He had a weird like a a cone egg-shaped ball, so it was definitely a weird, like, thing seeing that for the first time. And then the coach in my high school, he was like, oh, son, you, you lost? Like, I was like, no, nah, I'm here for the football tryout. She's like, oh, like, this is not the football you're thinking about. I'm like, yeah, coach. Like, I'm thinking about the other football. He's like, yeah, that's soccer. So I ended up actually trying out and actually making the team as a tight end. And that didn't really go so well because I, I wasn't really built to play offense. So I, I ended up going to defensive. 
the defensive end my sophomore year because I was playing scout team. I got defensive end my first my sophomore year. That's how everything got started. What was the jump like from your sophomore year to your junior year at Katy? Because at Katy Taylor, uh, you really emerged in that junior year, which led to you being a senior captain in your senior season and uh, really uh, waking up everybody to who you are. Because in your senior season, you had 70 total tackles for Katy Taylor and 23 tackles for losses. Oh, man. It really started out in the locker room, man. We had a lot of great guys in the team. And our D-line and my D-line coach, Coach Jensen, he was a tremendous guy, man. He really got to push me and talk to me about how good I could become. If I actually started playing, like, you know, I actually gave all my heart and my passion into the game of football. And the guys in the D-line, we had a great, we had a, we had a lot of talent in the D-line. We just had, we, we were just like a family in, in the D-line. You know, we had Max, we had Tito, we had, we had some big names, Braden Maury, we had a lot of guys. So it was definitely great, you know, seeing all those great talent pushing me to, like, you know, to be the best I could be, because I never really grew up playing that. You know, those guys grew up playing, you know, peewee football, medicine football. I never really had that experience and that in-game experience. So, you know, being with them those past two years in the locker room and on the field and, like, you know, away from the field, it really kind of opened my eyes and opened my heart to really work hard to become great. And that's really how everything kind of happened. What was the cha- How are the challenges like, you know, switching from soccer or football, as you called it, back in Nigeria, to then going sure. to play here in America – Texas high school football. What was the transition like? Uh, Texas high school football. Hey, they can say everything is bigger in Texas, man. So you know, football was a big deal in Texas for us, man. We had the families, we had the fans, the students, the teachers. After the session was always loud and proud every game, and it was definitely a great thing. I needed to be in Texas for, for me to play football in Texas because it definitely changed my view of football. We had like million dollar stadiums. Yeah, it just—it was all out. It was definitely a humbling, cool experience, you know, to get to actually play and be a part of Texas football and Katie Taylor. What do you tell your uh, teammates who come from California or other places across the country who say that they have better high school football than Texas? Oh, you know, the Cali guys always talking about talking about that the high school, like football, high school in Cali is better than football in Texas. And I just let them talk, man, because you know, you know, that my mom always told me. There's always a time for everything, a time to talk and a time to just let you know let the people just talk and you know just fool themselves. But if you ask me who's better, man, I'll tell you right now, everything's better in Texas, man. Football, <laughs> food, it doesn't matter what you name, man. In Texas we got it all, man. We it's a it's a nice family time in Texas too. So if you ask me, everything's better in Texas, including football. What drew you to El Paso and playing for Dana Dimmel and the UTEP Miners? Uh, Coach Demo was a great, it's a great man. You know, he he recruited me out of high school. I didn't really have that much eyes on me. I had some coach recruiting me, but the recruiting process, you know how it goes. It could be, you know, it could be kind of like it could be kind of two faced. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely a, a, a great experience having to meet Coach Demo because it was like the end of my senior year. I had just finished off the the playoffs, second round. We had just lost, and I was kind of feeling down because, like, you know, I worked hard the entire entire four years of my high school career. And I had I had no I had some FCS offers, I had some HBU, I had HBU, SFA, I had some schools looking at me. I had Rice my whole time. You know, Rice is like you know one of the Ivy League schools, so they were really they were they were really kind of iffy about me about my grades. But thank God, you know, last minute Coach Demo and Coach Wallace came in and swooped me in for a visit to El Paso. And when I came over here, man, the people the people were just amazing. It was a beautiful city. I loved everybody, everyone, everyone who who, who didn't even know me kind of showed love, and it was like a family like. Like the adopted son that I just met for the first time, they had just like rallied around me, and just like everything was great. The people, the environment, the food, just the, the temperature. Sometimes, I mean, the te- you know, it gets a little hot in here, man. But you know, I've been here for three years, so I've I've kind of learned to adjust. And it also gets cold sometimes, so you know, I don't like I don't like, really like the cold that much. But you know, I'm learning to adjust as I go year by year, man. But El Paso really, really opened my eyes with the love that the community really showed me. So and the, and the great coach that that we had. Well, if you continue to play like that, I I promise you this, Praise. El Paso will continue to love you. More with Praise Amayule as we continue, but first we're going to take a bottom-of-the-hour SportsCenter update. All right, we're back with Praise Amayule, the defensive end for the UTEP Miners. Now let's talk a little bit about your UTEP career, Praise, because it's really interesting. When you were redshirted that first 2018 season, um, no no one really knew too much about you. You started to play a little bit here and there where everybody started to say, wow, you know, this guy being redshirted, this is really exciting moving forward. And last year was the first time anybody got a chance to see you. What was that redshirt season like for you? 
Uh, it was definitely incredible. Whenever I got redshirted, I didn't really, I didn't really know much about it because I didn't really know how the whole redshirt thing worked. But as time went on, they got to explain it to me. But I'm really great. I'm really glad I had the experience because I kind of grew as a, as a person, as a man, as a player in every aspect of my life. You know, I got stronger in the weight room. Shout out to my equipment, shout out to my strength coaches in the weight room pushing me. You know, I got faster. I definitely kind of improved in my techniques as we as I went on. And I just kind of like you know listen to the coaches and like to coaching and try to get better. So whenever I step on the field, 2019 season, I could definitely show all my talent. So it was definitely humbling you know, to sit on the sideline and watch the you know, guys out there go to battle. And I wasn't out there with them, but it was definitely something I needed to do. So I'm glad I kind of had that fresh, that retro year to kind of kind of emerge into the play I am today. Well, I've really thought that you first emerged onto the scene in that Houston Baptist game. I, I will never forget that sack that you had, and it really made sure. me think, wow, this guy's going to be great with this team, and he's only a freshman. What do you remember about that game right there? I remember exactly what it was. It was an odd Sam. It was a Sam blitz. I was meant to short stick to the B-gap, and the Sam outside of me, Kalei Gibson, was meant to blitz in the C-gap. And I just saw him blitzing, and the quarterback, had just he had just bust outside to get it contained. And I just saw everything like it was just happening in slow motion. And I was really grateful because I had people I loved in the stands watching me and cheering me on. I had my teammates next to me. It was definitely a great, great forever. And, you know, it was a really, really good, humbling experience, man. And I loved every moment of it, man. Of course, after the fact, I have to give all the glory to God because at the end of the day, he's the only reason I'm here today, man. So shout out to, you know, shout out to my family. Shout out to my teammates. Shout out to everybody who got me to where I am today, man. It was definitely a good thing to have that first sack, that first college career sack. And there's more to come definitely after that. In that first season, you led the team with five and a half tackles for losses. You tied the team league with three sacks on the season and also three quarterback hurries. This led to an all-conference USA freshman team selection. But uh, what did you think about your performance last year, being named to that all-conference USA freshman team? It's definitely an honor, Adrian. It definitely is because I know guys who play play their hard and day in and day out, man. So, so to be recognized by the coaches along along the whole conference from the USA, and then my teammates pushing me, you know, on and up the weight room, like on and up the field. My strength coaches pushing me you know, in the weight room, and I saw when we do the runs. It was definitely a definitely a humbling feeling to be recognized as like you know one of the great players in the conference. So it definitely made me want to work hard, you know, because I know I could definitely improve my skill. Like you said, I only had three sacks. And five CFLs, you know, that's that's a good number and all, but, like, you know, I could definitely, you know, I'm a double-digit kind of guy, so that's definitely the goal. So it made me kind of, you know, want to push myself to become better and greater. Tell me a little bit about this defense that has been kind of uh, redefined over the past offseason. You uh, emphasize a little bit more on a four-man front, really, really uh, trying to emphasize pressuring the quarterback. What's been the adjustments like on the defensive side over the past offseason? Uh, we just had guys just buying into the program, buying what we want to do. The vision Coach Timmer has for this team is definitely a great one. He wants to make, he wants, to, he wants to take new tap and make take us to another level, man. And I'm really, and I'm really down with it. Our defensive line so far was looking amazing. We have some stellar, some stellar ball players up front, man. We have me leading the way. We have Kelvin, we have Keenan, and we have JT. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have our defensive end anymore, Joshua Tigger, because he got sidelined by a knee injury, but he's gonna be all right, you know. God's gonna take care of him, but so far so good. We're looking good. We have guys working hard, working, you know, working to get the guys. None of them, none of, none of them, just the ones. You know, it works hard. You have to work harder with the ones and the twos and the threes because you never know a guy could go down to any point in the game. So you never know. We have to, you have to have guys in all phases ready to come up and step up to take it to the next level. So we've just been really working hard and you know, just being building a better bond. Like you say, you know, we were made in a way from like you know football, just getting together, have some, you know, make some barbecue. Just chill out together, and you guys like you know know each other as a team and as a, as a teammate, and go go as a family. So we just try to do that over time, so we, we can kind of play like that, like we play in the field. Like you know, it's gonna definitely elevate our game because we're playing together and for one another. When opposing teams look at you, they see the first thing that they might see is all-conference USA freshman team. So they look at the defensive line and try to key on you. How do you evolve on your own craft when people uh, start to key on you on the offensive line on opposing teams? And how do you try to uh, make it so that your craft is a little evolved at times and adjusted uh, to these different offensive looks? Uh, it's always going to be, you know, people looking at me and, like, you know, trying to extend in their offense, you know, away from me. That's definitely a smart point because if the ball is ran my way, I'm definitely getting that, getting that tackle. But, you know, like I said, everything I do, no matter what we're playing, no matter what game it is, 
I got to just do my job. You know, football's a game where 11 guys do their job. It's not a single sport game. So every game, I don't try to do it. I don't try to do too much. You know, below my level, I just try to play my play my gap. You know, do my job, do what my coach tell me, and just try to celebrate with my teammates after every big play we make. So that's definitely what the thing that's what I'm trying to focus on for the whole season. Just do my job, make plays that come my way, and plays that don't come my way. And my teammate makes them celebrate with my other teammates, and they want to make big plays. So that's the that's the, that's the goal for the season. Do you have uh, any inspirations in the NFL right now, or any but any team that you really follow uh, or followed before? I'm a Seahawks fan, and I don't I don't really have an inspiration. You know, people because I do watch a lot of guys because I feel like I'm a, I'm a little bit of both speed and power. So like you know, I can't just watch a certain guy. But I definitely have a lot of guys I would look at. You know, my coach always tells me to watch Von Miller because the way he jumps the ball. That's something I definitely have in my arsenal. You know, I have to just develop that, you know, every year, every every week to get better at that. But it's definitely a lot of mixture. You know, we have Khalil Mack with his strength, speed to power. That's something I definitely have to use more often, man. But it's a lot of different guys. You know, I really look up to in the NFL. You know, J.J. Watt, just the way he plays, the passion he has for the game. That's what I'm trying to really, like, you know, embrace in my arsenal, too, just having that great passion, having that, you know, great explosiveness. Try to build a really high motor as, as, as I develop as a, as a player. Louisiana Monroe enters this game 0-2 on this season. What did the Warhawks show on film that really stands out that you guys need to key on for Saturday? You know, they're they're, they're a great team, man. We've, we've definitely studied them all week and try to get right in practice. So it's definitely just us going in there and doing our job, no matter what it looks to give us. They're definitely showing a lot of you know, per, like personnel changes, you know, trying to see how we're going to align whenever there's change of personnel in the offense. So we we'll definitely just have to just do our jobs, play our calls, and just have fun, fly around, make plays, man. It's not a special they do. They just do a lot of RPOs. So we're definitely going to stop the run up front and definitely shut them down the passing game, you know, as, as, as we're going into the game. But it's definitely a lot of RPOs that they do. And the quarterbacks, you know, the average, you know, pretty pretty good, pretty good quarterback. They have some good receivers. And then it's just so we just have to go out there and just outplay them, just, you know, show more great effort than they do. How wild is it to you just to know that you guys are one of just two teams playing four games on the season so far on Saturday? I mean, that just uh, all cancellations, postponements, whatever it may be, scheduling conflicts that have happened to other colleges across the country while UTEP is here getting ready for game four. It's definitely a blessing, like you mentioned. Though. Not really, not every team has the opportunity or the, the privilege we have you know, coming out and having a season. I know some some players on different teams and conferences that their season was shut down. So it was definitely, you know, a humbling feeling because some guys, football is a game that's taken lightly, you know. Some guys actually, like, love and live for this game. So it was definitely something I had to take, you know, into consideration, having the opportunity to get play this great game of football. So we just try to make the best of it. No matter if we're playing four, no matter if we're four games ahead or two, two, two or three games ahead, we just try to make the best of everything we have, you know, and just make the best out of everything in life and just be positive. Praise entering Saturday's game. I, I just think this is a massive one for the Miners because you guys are two and one to start off the season. A three and one start would be huge, and with Conference USA just right around the corner, it really would prove to all the doubters out there who just said, "Oh, you know, they they're beating some FCS teams." It would prove to them that you guys can have a win against an FBS opponent, and especially on the road, breaking that eight game road losing streak. What a what would a win do for your program? Uh, Adrian, when we win, it's definitely going to be you know, a lot of haters going to try to come over here and be like, oh, man, I always knew you to pat it on him. No, I, I always, you know, growing up, my mom always told me, people are always going to hate on you, no matter what you do, good or bad. Just listen to what you have to listen to, man. Don't even take it too hard, you know. Just take everything with a grain of salt. So I know the haters are always going to hate, saying, ah, oh, they're barely being in FCS schools. They're, they're losing. You said, you know, it's a terrible team. But, you know, I love everybody on this team, man. I love all my teammates, man. The people on the outside, they don't see it kind of what we put in day in and day out, man. All they see is the final score. They don't see what happened, what led to them having that score, what led to them winning the game, what led to them, you know, us losing. So people are always going to have their own opinions on what, about you. So you have to just block out the noise and just keep balling, man. But we're definitely going to have some guys, you know. There's gonna definitely going to be some people who are going to be like, ah, oh, y'all amazing. But people who are hating on us earlier, but are going to be on our side this time. But it's definitely going to be a big thing, like you said, going to the conference games. In two weeks, because we have a bye week after the ULM game, there's definitely going to be a lot of people like you know knowing that we're definitely ready to come back, you know, make a change in this program. So I'm I'm really really excited, like you said, man. I'm definitely pumped up for this game. 
Great answer. I love that one right there, Praise. Hey, as we wind it down and appreciate all the time uh, that you gave me today, Praise. Young talent pleasure, on. Man. Yeah, you. yeah. And the young talent on this team, Praise, really amazes me because you look at guys like Deion Hankins, Jacob Cowing, Gavin Hardison, you, who or who's just a redshirt sophomore on this team. How encouraging is that to the future of this program moving forward? I'm going to just go ahead and say their names again, man. Deion Hankins, oh, my gosh, man. That's all I can say. What a father. What an absolute <laughs> stud. My man, Jacob Cowan. Woo, man, our boy's electric. And my QB, my one QB, QB1, man, Gavin, like you say, that's the whole thing. There's a lot of young talent on this team, and it's definitely cooking, man. It's going to be a long season for every defender we're going to play this year. But it's definitely something good to see because we have all these young guys coming in here doing amazing things so at such an early stage. So, like, imagine how great we're going to be as we evolve and as we get older, as we get more disciplined, as we get more even more better, like, as we get bigger and everything. So it's definitely something to be excited and to look forward to, man. Like you said, so I'm definitely excited for, you know, seeing us, you know, evolve, you know, but in age and in wisdom as the game goes. Praise you were awesome today. Really appreciate all the time, and thanks again. I can't wait to do this again in the future. Appreciate it, Adrian. I love them, man. Thank you so much. You are awesome, too. All right, that's Praise Amele, who's joining us on our Village in Hotline. We're going to take a time out right now. When we come back, we'll get to more phone calls and tweets. Stay with us as Sports Talk continues right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com welcomes us into Hour 2 of the show. Uh, along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplow. It's so excited to have Lee back. And by the way, he is off to another terrific start at ParamountSports.com. Lee, good afternoon. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. So a question to you is, are, are they allowing fans at the UTEP game? Um, very few. About 6,000. Uh, is what they had attendance-wise. They could cap out at 8,500, Lee, but, uh, you know, the Sun Bowl holds more than 40, so obviously it's a considerable amount less. Yeah, they they got 6,000 on Saturday. Nope, nope, absolutely, absolutely. They had some – they're they're not selling it out Even here in Miami, uh, they still had seats. I think they're allowing 13,000 for the Miami-Florida State game. They still had some seats available, and uh, the Dolphins – only had, I think, 11 out of the 13,000 seats sold for uh, the game last week. How do you handicap games where, A, in the NFL, no preseason, so you have nothing to go by other than just the teams and the personnel, and in college, how do you handicap knowing that um, half these teams haven't even still played yet because of COVID, and ultimately there's no fans in most of these games, so they're playing in empty stadiums. How do you do it, and how do you win? So it is a little bit tougher. With college football, we've got to dig a little more to find out uh, from the beat writers. They can usually find out who's missing from practice. So, uh, and then you got to, you know, find out who the backups are and kind of kind of figure out how they'll do, what kind of experience they have, and how they fit in the system. So that's what we're doing. It takes us a little more time. Where I normally might leave on a a Tuesday or Wednesday night at ten thirty, we're leaving at twelve thirty or one in the morning, and then. Uh, for the NFL, yeah. what we're finding out so far, without fans, these games are, even without preseason games, have been high scoring. So uh, scoring's up in the NFL. just took getting rid of most of the fans. <laughs> you know what's, that's exactly, you know what's real interesting, too, about uh, Paramount Sports and what you do? It's not just about the NFL and about college football. You're doing really, really well in your UFC selections for all those UFC fans out there. Yeah, we, we actually have won seven of the last eight in the NBA, won Miami. Last night, outright against Boston. Night before, Denver outright against the Lakers. And in the UFC, there's been 20 cards. We've won 17 of the 20 cards. And when we release our top selections, we rate them from 10 to 50 units. 40 to 50 unit plays. We won back-to-back 50-unit selections the last two weeks. We've got a 50-unit parlay going on Saturday night. And in college football, we had our first 40 to 50-unit play a 40-unit play on Central Florida, they took care of Georgia Tech, ran away from them, 49-21. So this is what I'm going to do. I know there's a lot of people love like to come on board. Normally, you have to be a monthly or season subscriber to get our 40 to 50-unit plays. We normally just sell promo packs if you want to come for a week. I'm going to do this week what I've never done. I'm going to give you my 40 to 50-unit play. Yeah, I have another in college football. 
plus all the college and NFL games. So you're going to get 10 to 13 games from tonight all the way through Monday night. I'll also throw in the 50-unit UFC parlay, plus all the NBA action through the weekend, $97. It's normally 297 for the weekend, $97 one week only, ParamountSports.com. By the way, uh, you've been on fire in UFC as well. Uh, Thirteen and three is your run yep. in UFC, and you've won those back-to-back fifty-unit selections, which is terrific. And uh, telling you, this is this is a great deal. This is like UFC uh, is fun. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I used to be a boxing guy. I can't even watch boxing anymore after getting into the UFC. Have you been just you know, hooked since you first started really getting into it? Absolutely. I mean, it was since Gracie. I think it was always Gracie, and and. UFC one uh, mm-hmm. just mesmerized how a guy that can be 150 pounds that can take down a 250 pound guy at the time they had no weight classes. So that's right. I just like it because you can be losing an entire fight when you're in boxing when you're losing and you're getting pounded. It's over. But in the UFC, you can you know get a submission, an armbar, uh, so many different ways that you can win by kicking. Um, so I, I just think that's what makes it so exciting. Anything can happen. Yeah, and you got Ken Shamrock, who was one of those great early right. fighters, along with, yeah. with Royce Gracie. I get you. That's good. Yeah. All right. So, folks, if you're interested, this is the deal of deals, ParamountSports.com. And, uh, again, $97 will get you in. That's, that's terrific. Um, last week, 2-2. Two and two. This week, we're going to five games instead of four because college is expanding. But we've got uh, two college Three NFL this week, um, and you went uh, both uh, Big Twelve games uh, in our college football matchups. Staying with the regional games, Oklahoma, Kansas State. By the way, Oklahoma twenty eight and a half point favorites against K State, and I can understand why K State's already lost to the Sun Belt and uh, Oklahoma favorite to go uh, for the Big Twelve title. So Oklahoma, as you would expect, big heavy twenty and a half point favorites, kicking off our week here uh, this week, Lee, for uh, for Big Twelve action. Yeah, and I was actually at this game last year in Manhattan. And how did Kansas State win the game? Their offensive line just owned the Sooners' defensive line, controlled the clock. And then, uh, believe it or not, Kansas State's defense wasn't great. Uh, they, uh, they were on the field for only 21 minutes but gave up 497 yards. It was the turnovers. This is the game that Oklahoma's been waiting for. And Kansas State, from my here, is down to about five or six defensive backs and a couple – freshmen and walk-ons i think oklahoma runs away with this game here 58 10 all right covering easily is uh, lee's thoughts on this one which takes us then to the other big 12 matchup texas and texas tech now i know texas is going to lubbock i watched them dismantle utep Texas Tech barely got by Houston Baptist, Lee, and that yeah. team looks and they gave up a ton of points to Houston Baptist. I like um what you know Baptist can do throwing the ball and they did it again uh in that game, but man, I, I just I feel like eighteen is not nearly enough points to give the horns considering what we've seen in the first uh, first non conference game. Yeah, it, it's gonna be tough tough here for Texas Tech. Last year they scored the first fourteen points. And what did Texas do? Spotted them that fourteen and just didn't even blink. They roared back and won 49-24. to Sam Erlinger in that game threw for 348 yards, ran for another 83. And people think of Texas as this good home team. Not the case. They're better on the road. They're 6-2 and two against the spread, the last eight away from Austin. Uh, the Red Raiders, now there's 130 teams in college football. Generally, most years, 130th is UMass. 129th is UConn. So where does that put Texas Tech? 128th. They're right back where they've been for the last decade. I think Texas might put up six to 650 yards of offense here. I think Texas doubles up Texas Tech 52-26. All right. So Texas covering the 18 with the 52-26 win from Lee Sterling and ParamountSports.com as we continue here. Uh, And moving out to the NFL. All right. So far, uh, it's been a very interesting season uh, being played without fans in the NFL. New Orleans hosts Green Bay. Now, 
New Orleans losing to Vegas uh, in what was really a, and you called that last week. That was one of the games you mentioned on the show during our segment, and you had it, uh, and that was a a big-time call from you. Green Bay, by the way, uh, I know it was Detroit, but they already look like a well-oiled machine. You saw what El Paso's own Aaron Jones did to the Lions last week, yet New Orleans three-point favorites at home against the Pack. You know, I think the wrong team might be favored here. Both teams could be without their star receivers, so that makes it a little more complicated with Adams possibly out and then Thomas also out for New Orleans. But here's the problem for New Orleans. They just they seem like they're getting pushed around. This is not the same team. And even Drew Brees, I know he's 41. He looks like the same in the uniform, but just the release, the velocity on the ball, uh, the way – he just doesn't escape defenders like he used to. I think it's a problem. And Green Bay put up 40-plus points in both games against division opponents here. It looks like Aaron Rodgers is on a scorched-earth tour. You know, people were talking about he was upset that, uh, you know, they drafted a quarterback first round. Maybe, you know, Danica Patrick dumped him. Who knows? Something happened. Uh, I, I, I like Green Bay here. I think the wrong team's favored, 31-28. All right. That also will take us uh, to uh, a Monday night game that I think is going to be uh, a, the game of games for uh, early uh, f- you know, treat for fans. That's for sure. They get Baltimore, Kansas City in week three. Are you kidding me? That's a, a fun matchup. Baltimore mm-hmm. at home, three and a half point favorites. They're both 2-0. and KC battled back. They did not look good against the Chargers, but they got the win. Baltimore's been quite the opposite. They have looked terrific in their first two games, and uh, yet this is... Kind of could even be a preview of the AFC Championship. It could be. I think it's a game of the year. It's a game that everyone's been waiting for and should be a fun game. Now, what I think we're probably going to see here is Baltimore try to follow that blueprint that the Chargers did last week. What did they do? Controlled the clock and ran the football. And and Baltimore does that as good as anyone. In fact, they've outran the Texans last week, they put up 230 yards on the Texans defense, which isn't bad. And they've run for at least 100 yards here in 18 straight games. And what has Lamar Jackson done as a quarterback the last nine regular season games? Well, he's only thrown for 28 touchdowns and only thrown one interception. So this kid is something special. Uh, I, Kansas City was the best team last year. They won the Super Bowl. But right now, they're not playing great. They they're especially on defense. They're just not clicking on all cylinders, and I think even the offense isn't isn't performing at the highest level. I like Baltimore in a shootout, forty-one thirty-four. All right, and that will take us to the final game that you have for us this week, and that is Seattle and the Cowboys. Oh, the Dallas Cowboys! The Dallas Cowboys are so thrilled that they were able to pull a, a victory out of the jaws of defeat last week against Atlanta. Which, by the way. As a former college quarterback, have you ever seen an onside kick that spun like that where the players were just hypnotized by the football league? No. So I was the punter and kicker in high school, and I punted in college. And uh, I think I tried, we were usually ahead, I think maybe only tried one, uh, my four years, an onside kick. And it was amazing the way he did it. <laughs> I was, I was, I'm still in shock. So give him credit. But, I mean, Atlanta, this was, the, I think, was the last time a team scored 39 or more points and did not turn the ball over and lost 33 years ago. Only the Falcons mm. or a team like the Lions or the Cowboys could have that happen to them. I just think here's the problem for Dallas. All three fronts, their defensive line, linebackers getting pushed around, pushed back, DBs not making plays on the ball. Now, who do they have to face? Russell Wilson now. How hot is Russell Wilson? Nine touchdown passes the first two games. They've scored 73 points. That, that's the greatest input. I went back and looked at my computer. Since Chuck Knox in 1985 with Dave Craig, when they scored 77 in the first two games against, check out these two beleaguered defenses, Sam Weich's Bengals and Don Coriel's defense is optional and tackling is optional defense. I like Seattle here. I think they win this game 38-31. All right. So, there are your picks for this week. Um, Also, your uh, game of the week is an SEC fun one between uh, LSU and Mississippi State. Let's talk about that. And also, 
Let's talk about some of the breaking news that's gone down during our segment, okay? Multiple sources are saying that the Pac-12 will play seven games, meaning everybody will play championship weekend, but the Pac-12 will, in fact, be a go. November the 6th is going to be the date, and it's championship game December the 18th. So I guess they're going to play seven games. Seven games. So they, how do they come up with the set? That's, that's, that's the oddest thing I've ever seen. Well, the, odd, the fun one's going to be the championship game. How do you have yep. a championship game with seven teams <laughs> or seven games? That's, Depends that's on, on who you play. I mean, uh, uh, you know, you could have someone like Oregon against the sleeper. So it should be fun, but um, they want to hop on board. How about this? Uh, LSU and Mississippi State. I'll give him that game for free. We got the Pirate. He's moved on uh, to Starkville, Mississippi. Going to take on the defending national champions. LSU's laying 17. You want to get that game for free? Just call 800-400-9741. 800-400-9741. If you want to get all my games for an entire week, including a 40, another 40 to 50 unit college football major wager release. Just go to ParamountSports.com right now, 97 bucks for an entire week, and it will include NBA and UFC as an added bonus. Or call 800-400-9741. Terrific stuff. Lee, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for the time. Okay. Thanks. See you, Steve. Lee, Lee Sterling as we continue here on Sports Talk. By the way, no fans at the Pac-12 games this year. So seven games, then a championship, and no fans. Oh, man. You think there was any pressure for the Pac-12 to play? Oh, my goodness gracious. Unbelievable. We'll talk more about it later in the show as we get you ready for football. But up next, Mark Lowry. We'll talk some uh, locomotive football for you Loco fans. Your questions coming in as well for Coach Lowry as we send it right back to Charlie One for this traffic update. So now it looks like the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl is back on track. Pac-12 ACC after the news today. Pac-12's coming back. They're going to play seven games, a title game, and then they'll all get to go bowling. It's perfect. What a, what a harmonious football world in 2020 we're having, Adrian. And now it's good to know we're back on schedule. I'm sure Bernie's going to come on uh, the, uh, the Sun Bowl watch next week and tell everybody, oh, yeah, we knew it all along it was going to happen. Yeah, I guess so. And hey, this also means a lot of good things for the Pac-12 college basketball schedule, which is also getting set to start the Thanksgiving weekend. No doubt. That's exactly. By the way, when when are we going to get the basketball schedule? When's that coming out? Yeah, that's a great question. It's supposed to come out soon from UTEP basketball, but they're still waiting to finalize it. Unreal. All right. Meanwhile, let's get back to the phones and welcome back Mark Lowry for another uh, weekly edition of uh, Coach's Comments. Uh, as the head coach, technical director of uh, El Paso Locomotive FC, joins us live to talk locomotive football like he does each and every week. Well, I'll tell you, uh, you know, I feel like a broken record, but um, congratulations on the win and welcome back to the show. I appreciate it, Steve. It's good to be back again with another three points in the back. No doubt. Good to have you back. And, man, I'm, I'm excited. I, I really am. Again, another victory the way you want it uh, where, you know what, you, you play a team tough, you, get, uh, you, you break through the way you need it, and that's kind of been the, the story, I think, uh, during this winning streak, Coach. You just find yourself coming up with big, big moments from uh, a lot of players. And, and, again, this last matchup, 1-0, it's all you need. You post the clean sheet, and most important, you, you keep putting those as you said, three points on after beating Real Monarchs SLC. Yeah, the games the games have pretty much played out in the same manner the last few weeks. We've put in really strong, organized, professional performances and finding a way later in the game to score the goals we need to win it. Um, you know, we've looked at that, and, and we're obviously happy about winning. We're obviously happy about getting the three points. Uh, we'd rather do it a little bit easier, I think, in terms of putting more goals on the board, and that's that really is the next step for us. Let's make sure these games... Not just one zero. There may be more two three zero. That's not fun. You don't want to put more. Why, <laughs> why? You know why? Why do that, Mark? When you can kind of make it more exciting and have fans on the edge of their seats the entire match. Yeah, you know, I, I want to keep these long locks. I don't want to go gray in my thirties. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Hey, by the way, how big was it to get uh, Borelli to make uh, to, the, the lone goal in that in that one nil win? Yeah, it was huge. I mean, not expected, obviously, is is a left back. And, 
his main job is to defend, obviously. And, and you know, he came on because we had an injury, you know, kind of a at a, at a crucial part of the game. And he comes, you know, comes in and contributes early with the goal. I mean, he wasn't on the field long before he did that. So great for the defenders to get involved in that part of the attack. We love that. We encourage that. Um, and long may it continue. By the way, is there anything better than to see a great header go right into the net? No, it's, it's, it's a good thing when it happens, when you get that timing right. And, and the ball's correct. I mean, Memo played a great ball into the back post and Brelli's run. The timing was perfect and he arrived at the, at the right time. And, and it was a great move from everybody. Absolutely right. So, again, uh, with the win, uh, you've won five in a row, unbeaten in your last eight. That's what's the most important. And you're four points ahead of New Mexico United when you've got that big showdown coming up Saturday at Southwest University Park. We'll get to them in a moment. But first, uh, since uh, you had to play three in a week and uh, ultimately test the endurance on some of your players, who did you think uh, really stepped up in a big way for you? Oh, it's a tough question. Um, we actually... I think a stat came out. I saw something on, online or on social media. So we, over the course of that week, we 20 players contributed to the field. You know, no less than 20 players found game time. So I think it was just really a great, a great effort from everybody to come through those games like that. And it really is hard to pick someone out, Steve, because we rotated a lot. You know, I don't think, mm-hmm. I'm not sure one player played all three games. I might be wrong, but, you know, the way we rotated, the way guys were able to come in, different games and perform well and, and contribute you know at different times i just thought it was a great team effort steve to be honest let's put it this way brent coleman has been so good for you since he joined the club and so valuable he didn't even get in on saturday that that just kind of tells you how deep you are right now uh you know at, at your defensive backs and, and ultimately uh, he was uh, he was not subbed in yeah and that, that was that was kind of the idea if we could get him a rest he obviously played the, the previous two games, the Saturday and the Wednesday, we did the job and got the six points in the, out of those two games. And, you know, I, the idea was to get him a rest. And, and you know, I know Meshach, I know Meshach's body, I guess, a little bit more than Brent's been working with Meshach for a long time. I know Meshach's capable of going through three games in a week. Um, obviously not, not super familiar with how Brent handles those situations from a physical standpoint. Um, he's a tough guy, but I didn't want to risk him. You know, he's, he was great. He's been great for us, so I didn't. You want to risk him, and Drew Becky comes in and does a great job. I know Meshack has had some moments he would love to give back this year, and it's been tough for him coming back from the injury. There's no doubt about that. But again, I'm interested in the fact that you've hung tough with him the whole time, and he's put together some really good performances over the last week, and, and that's important, isn't it, to, to keep with him as you've always done. I know how much you think about Meshack, Jerome, and, and get his confidence where it needs to be heading into the postseason. Yeah, I, I've, I've been with Meshack now for maybe four years, going on four years, I feel like I know him like he's my brother. You know, I know him mentally. I know his body physically, what he can handle and what he needs at the right times from a mental standpoint. And Meshach's a guy you need to stand by. And coming off that big injury, you know, it was never going to be easy for him coming back and kind of getting straight into it at the level he was before. It was was always going to take time. And with the break we had, with the suspension um, because of COVID-19, that didn't help him because he was kind of just getting back to some fitness level and some form. And then we're off for a couple of months, and he kind of goes, he, he regresses a little bit physically. Um, he puts on a little bit of weight, um, which, you know, he wasn't too happy with, and we weren't too happy with. And I think it took him those three, four, five games to kind of get back to, you know, his playing weight and, and, and his fitness and his sharpness. And I know Misha's quality, so I was always going to stick with him. And, and, and he's, proving, he's proving me right. You know, he's coming good at the right time. Absolutely right. Uh, we're continuing our conversation right now with Mark Lowry, head coach, technical director of El Paso Locomotive FC. More in a moment. If you want to get in, you can do it uh, one of three ways. You can call Adrian off the air. We'll get your question through. You want to tweet us? You can do that as well. 600 ESPN El Paso. Our phone number, 880-5763. Or you can chat with us on our free mobile app powered by United Bank. Three ways to do it as we say hello to Adrian and get uh, another bottom of the hour. Our Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. Back with Mark Lowry, head coach, technical director, El Paso Locomotive FC. They have their big showdown Saturday night against New Mexico United, and then they hit the road next Wednesday against the Colorado Springs and Sunday against the Real Monarchs SLC. By the way, um, since you play Wednesday and Sunday, are you flying uh, back to El Paso after Colorado Springs, or are you staying on the road and just going to hang out in the uh, Salt Lake area? 
No, we'll fly back home. That's a good question. We thought about it long and hard, what the best thing was to do. To be honest, if it was a Wednesday, Saturday, we probably would have stayed up that way. Um, whether it was in Colorado for a couple more days or get to sort of like a little bit sooner. But because it's a Sunday game, it gives us an extra day to get back, kind of recover a little bit. And, you know, I also wanted the option of changing the squad. You know, because once you're on the road, you, you, that, that's the 18 players you have. You know, if we'd have picked up an injury or wanted to send someone home for rest, I might not have been able to do it. So we come home, we recover, we regroup, and then we, you know, take a new group, a different group maybe to sort of like for the, for the final game of the year. That makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. okay, just making sure about that. Hey, by the way, we had uh, Dylan Mayers on, on Tuesday's show. Boy, he oh, was awesome. a terrific, terrific uh, guest. And I'll tell you what, hearing his story, what impressed me the most was I, I asked him, I said, have you ever played a style like Marks before? He said, oh, yeah, I did in, in Miami. And it's one of like, the first players I think I've ever interviewed that told me that he was familiar with your style and was one of the reasons he came here because we, we talk so much about how this is a style that very few clubs play uh, around uh, the world of American soccer. Yeah, and it's, it's not just the style but the system. You know, we, we obviously have our unique style in terms of what you, you know, when you're watching us play, you see us passing the ball and moving it around. But, you know, the system itself, the 4-4-2 diamond, you know, you don't... You don't see many teams utilizing it, you know, the way we do. And he was in Miami, and they played the Diamond in Miami. Um, Richie was on that team as well. Richie Ryan was on that team. Um, so I knew Dylan was familiar with the system. Not so much the style, but it was more the system. The system is, it can be a complicated one if you're not, if you're not, not aware, and, you know, you don't understand it yet. But I knew Dylan would come in with already a, a, a basic knowledge of the system and the Diamond and, where I could use him because I've seen him playing the diamond, so I knew his strengths, and so it was it was kind of a match made in heaven. So when when I knew well when when I knew the position we needed, the player we needed, Dylan was you know top of my list. I'll tell you what he's been he's been terrific for you um, in so many different capacities. I think Aron Gomez has been fantastic. Omar's had some big big moments as he mm-hmm. always seems to do. But the thing I love about this club is that there's so many different heroes. I mean, it's like each yeah. game there could be somebody new stepping up for you. Yeah, and that's what we found over the last you know seven eight games. I mean, you know, truthfully, Aaron Aaron's been a little bit cold with the goals. You know, Aaron was hot earlier in the year and. He's gone cold the last few games, and he knows that. And he's, he's working hard to kind of change that course and get back on fire because, you know, Aaron's a big goal scorer for us. So, but what you've seen is when Aaron's not scoring, other people, like you said, whether a midfielder or, you know, a defensive back or a central defender, you know, Brent's had a goal, Mac has had a goal on the right, Adair's had one on the left. You know, Brian stepped up and had a goal, Chapa scored a couple, Dylan scored. We've got goals from all over the field, which makes us a really strong team. And, you know, and, and a, a tough proposition for any opponent because you never know where that goal is going to come from. No doubt. So now you've got New Mexico United. It's the game fans can't wait for. Look, the fact is this has turned into your best rivalry game in proximity, fan base. Uh, the fans here um, hate New Mexico United. I love it because I've seen so many great rivalries with UTEP and New Mexico over the yep. years, and, and 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 even in in minor league baseball, we've seen it. So it's and even in professional hockey. If I could tell you the stories about the New Mexico Scorpions and the um, El Paso Buzzards, they were legendary. Fights like you wouldn't believe. We once took a bus to escape the law as we thought we were going to have everybody arrested. But I'm not going to get into that story right now, Mark. The point is, it's a great rivalry. And again, Saturday, it comes back one more time. And and a chance for you to distance yourself even more from New Mexico United and and really have this team where you want heading into this road trip. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's a massive game, you know, for obviously rivalry you know, standpoint, you know, what's been built up there. And I think playing each other so much this year has just kind of magnified that rivalry and, and heightened that sense of competitiveness, competitiveness between the two clubs and the fan bases and the cities itself. Um, playing each other so much just keeps bringing kind of, you know, uh, intensity to that rivalry and, and it heats it up even more every time we play them. Um, but yeah, we got to we got to do our job on Saturday. You know, there's a four-point gap right now. We want to make it seven and put some things to bed in terms of, you know, first place seeding, all that type of stuff's important. Getting more points on the board, that helps us down the road for potential home games in the playoffs. So there really is a lot riding on this game. Even though both teams have clinched the playoffs, but there seems to be a, a, 
a massive amount of things riding on it, which, which just, just adds, adds fuel to that already kind of heated you know, rivalry between the two teams. And I'll say this, just because New Mexico United's been in such a tough situation where they've had to play all their home matches uh, here in El Paso, it's really been, I'm sure for you, uh, a huge plus. You're getting 1,500 into the building that are, are you know are going to be are going to be rooting you on, and uh, there's no way to put it, but just because of how unique this schedule is, um, you know, getting those extra home matches has to have been just a, a huge thing for you. Yeah, it's great for us. It's great for the club. You know, we love playing at home. The games are definitely more enjoyable. In our environment, we, we know what the surf is going to do, how the surf is going to play. You know, you always get your own fans that are cheering you on, and you get that energy, and, you know, you get to sleep in your own bed the night before. But there are definitely a lot of pluses to playing at home. We, we love playing at the ballpark, and we love what the fans bring to the, to the, to the, to the stadium every game. And, yeah, it, it's, it's been a nice bonus in, in, a, in a difficult year for everybody. That's been a nice little bonus, I think. Last time you played them, you beat them 2-1. What we do know is this. It's going to be intense. It's going to be physical. It's going to be exciting. Um, we could see some, you know, some 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 action and and who knows what. But um, I just think that for the fans, it is a great send off for the regular season to play New Mexico United, and then uh, you turn it around and and you go to Colorado Springs uh, on Wednesday. So obviously, uh, I'm sure for you juggling that lineup once again and finding a way to make sure you keep everybody fresh uh, with those two matchups coming up so, uh, so you know, so uh, short uh, apart from each other. Yeah, that's going to be key, you know, to managing that load, you know, because you, you, you obviously have to keep picking up points and you have to keep winning games. But the last thing you want to do is, is for somebody to pick up an overuse injury or get hurt kind of in, the, in this last week before playoffs. And then you're, a man down and a key player down going into the, the quarterfinal. So it's going to be an interesting week in terms of juggling that because we, we want to win all three games. There's, you know, there's something on the line for us in every game in terms of the points and the seeding, like I said. So we have to approach each game to win it, but we also have to manage and juggle players' workloads and keep, play, keep players healthy. You know, we've, you know, Nick Ross has been out for a while. Chiro's out injured. So we do have a little bit of an injury list building up. we just got to make sure that doesn't get any bigger over this next week. Who then uh, will you be looking at to step up uh, in those shoes and, and, and really fill the uh, fill the gap for you? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you look in the midfield and Chapa, since Nick's been out, Chapa has really stepped up and we've moved Brian into midfield, you know, to fill that void a little bit of Nick being out. Um, so, you know, players like that are going to be crucial for us in the midfield area. Um, you know, if you look in the back four, you know, you saw Drew Becky come in this past week when we gave Brent a rest. So those guys just on the outside, they're going to get a lot of, a lot of playing time over the next week and, and potentially some crucial minutes in the playoffs. So everyone has to be ready. Everyone has to be on their toes. And you know, when, when your name's called, step up to the plate and do a job. Well said, Coach. Looking forward to it. I think it's going to be terrific. 7.30 Saturday, it's going to be on the El Paso Las Cruces CW, ESPN Plus, with uh, Duke uh, calling the action along with Michael Balligan. It'll be a lot of fun. Hey, we'll get a chance to talk to you probably next Thursday. Hopefully we'll be able to get you when you come back from that Colorado Springs match and before the Real Monarchs match. Although... Coach, what would you rather do? You would rather have that Thursday off, and we just we have you on on Friday, since you'll have a couple of days before. Um, yeah, let's do the Friday. Let's do the Friday. Keep it consistent. A couple of days out before the Sunday game, we'll do the Friday next week. I look forward to that. Sounds good. I'm superstitious like you, so I'll, I'll we'll, we'll make sure we don't change anything right now. That's for sure. Keep it up, Coach. Appreciate the time, and thanks so much. Thanks, Steve. Take care. Mark Lowry, our weekly chat on Sports Talk, 19 in front of 6, as we continue. Hey, up next, uh, more on the Pac-12 decision to return and what that means for uh, everybody out there. But uh, let's get right back to it. ABC 7 News and Charlie 1 next, 600 ESPN El Paso.